What is up, you amazing listeners and viewers tuning in from whichever platform you like to get your podcast from. As you can see, I'm not in my normal space, and I am your host, Chronic, from the Cannabis Chronicles on all major streaming platforms, and I'm back with a brand new episode of Reviewing Ruteralis, brought to us by the Autoflower Review Team. There we go. There's my first stumble of today. The Autoflower Review Team. Be sure to smash that like button and show them some love, and Atlas Seed, they are absolutely amazing, and today I'm actually in one of the local businesses here in Denver, Colorado, uh, Cultured Biologics. I said that right, correct? Yes, sir. Okay, awesome. I'm here with Tim McCormick, and he's uh, been able to show me around the facility, and we're going to get into a really amazing interview. So be sure to hit that like button, comment down below, subscribe, do all that fun stuff, because we should really show this man some love for hooking it up. Thank you so much for coming on to the show, man. Thanks for coming out. Absolutely. It was a journey for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit of a drive. It's always Any, fun. Anytime through Denver is a journey. Yeah, so it's definitely not easy on those roads. And uh, I really appreciate it. So as I walked in, I just want to say um, it's very discreet from the street. You don't really see anything. You wouldn't notice that this is a cannabis business by any means and or even a nutrient business, which is kind of something for those viewers out there, um, you know, that is something to consider. Now, before we get into, into any more juicy details, anything about here? What are your three favorite strains that you like to smoke? Or what's your oh, top three you've ever grown in your entire life? Oh, OG Kush, OG Kush, OG Kush. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let me be yes. honest. No, um, you know, Triangle Kush, uh, Ghost OG, and probably Sour Diesel. Ah, oh, Triangle Kush is a really yeah. good one. I and Sour her. Diesel? Yeah, it's Man. my perfect daytime smoke. Yes. You it's know, like Triangle puts me in bed and Sour Diesel keeps me awake. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I, that's actually one of the strains. So I'm working with a strain. I was telling you earlier, Sour Temple Chunk. It's one of my buddies that he Brad and I worked with that mm-hmm. Sour Diesel goes into it. And then we always love working with the Sour yeah, Diesel. That's so that's awesome. <laughs> now, let's talk about your backstory a little bit before we talk about the actual business that you're sure. building here. Yeah. You are a extremely smart gentleman. You're absolutely well-rounded and well-versed and absolutely in cultivation and chemistry. So let's discuss how were you always a stoner at heart from a young kid? Cause you did grow up on a ranch. So kind of bring us back. Um, so, uh, no, actually, um, you know, I, I grew up in the Midwest and in, in Kansas City, Missouri, where my, my family was very anti anything except for alcohol and tobacco <laughs> because that's what adults do. Right? Yep. And so, uh, no, growing up, I mean, up till like I was 18, 19, I was even anti-weed. Okay. I wouldn't hang out with my best friend because he smoked weed. Oh, I, would, wow. I wouldn't hang out with anyone. It was so bad because I didn't know. Yes. I was told it's the devil's lettuce. I was yeah. told it, it's going to make you a lazy, unproductive member of society. And I didn't want to be an unproductive. I was like, I don't want to be that, you yeah. know? So for me, you know, growing up, I, I was very apprehensive to us very I was, I was like i'm not gonna touch with a 10 foot pole and then finally you know after my best friend started smoking for six months he comes up to me when i was like you know, i just started with the college so it's changing seeing like i'm not in my parents house anymore like um I, i'm away on my own and my, my best friend's like hey tim so weed right and i'm like dude it's bad i'm not gonna do it i'm never ever gonna do it like don't even talk to me about it and he's like no no no. there's different types I'm like no whatever she's gonna make me lazy and tired and i don't want to do it and he's like no 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 check it out there's science to it. <laughs> and he hooked me with science. And I was like, damn it. You got me. <laughs> you got me. And so he's like, no, no, no. There's types that you know keep you awake. There's types that put you to sleep. There's types that stimulate your appetite. And at that point, my brain kind of went open. And I was like, holy cow. Like, okay, there's maybe this isn't just a, a thing drug dealers sell and that you can get it off the street and it's mixed with, like, heroin and yep. stuff. You know? Like a gateway drug to right. crack or something. And then, and then the other thing, like, that, so that was the first... 
that was the first step in like opening my mind to cannabis and, and like what it actually is. It's um, I, back to where my mom, like she's a horticulturalist. Okay. She's been growing in greenhouses, annual perennial flowers, like tropical mm-hmm. plants since I was, it was a kid, since I can remember. Yeah. So I have a plant. My background is like taking care of the plants at the house, and like her teaching me how to grow plants and 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 uh, moving to a, a, a degree in chemistry because mm-hmm. in college I went to school for chemistry. Um, I love all the little nuance and the little details of things, Yeah, you know? So then I was hanging out with my, one of my other friends and it was like, it was winter break, my freshman year of college. And of course there's two girls with us and he's like, yo, let's, let's smoke some weed. And all the girls are like, okay, let's smoke some weed. And I, <laughs> smoke some weed. and I was like, this is like a month after I had the conversation with my best friend. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and I smoked weed for my first time. And I was like, holy cow. I've been lied to my whole life. Mm-hmm. I, 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 this isn't, this, this is high. Cause I've been drinking since I was a kid. Like when yeah. I was, before I turned 14, it was like, my mom was like, Oh, you can't, you can't drink. Cause it's what adults do. You can't when you turn 21, like I'm 14. I'm like, I'm an adult. So 14 to 18, I drank like a bitch. Yeah. I mean, I was doing very irresponsible stuff. Like going to school drunk. Yeah. And, and, oh like, yeah. You know, like my senior that. year. And I was like, I drank with my teachers. Yeah. <laughs> and in, the, in the Midwest, you don't have much you can do in your free time. Like, drinking is pretty much a pastime. Yep. Drinking and smoking the cigarettes, you know? <laughs> and so uh, I can't smoke cigarettes because I messed my lungs up. I have super sensitive yeah. lungs. So I like, asthma, I die. Yeah. So it, it kills my lungs when I smoke tobacco. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I, you know, after I got high for the first time, I was like, this isn't, this is, I've been blackout drunk. This isn't anything like this is way less. This is like taking a, a drink, having uh-huh. a drink or two is like the feeling of the, Happiness. yeah. And it's just like relaxation. It's like, you don't, it doesn't hurt your liver. It doesn't poison you like alcohol is it's poison. You can sleep. And yeah, it, can, it helps you get yeah, stimulate appetite. Uh, I've been yeah. an insomniac my whole life. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a, I'm a research junkie. I've been in, been in debate in high school. I went to college and did uh, collegiate debate and qualified at nationals. Like oh. research is like what I do. I love researching. And so I, you know, got high for the first time. Then I just dove into it. Mm-hmm. I just started researching within three months. I was growing. That's awesome. I, I started smoking in January by March. I was growing by July. I was extracting. Oh, that's, I dude, would, that's I would off the deep end with it. And like in a good way, because like, I realized how much therapeutic benefit it was. Did you have a successful first time grow? Yeah. Yep. I grew pineapple express and a deep water culture system and a bubbler mm-hmm. bubble ponics system. Yes. You're running advanced nutrients. Cause I bought into their 50% bigger, product, 400% <laughs> better terpene profile, whatever they want. Everyone does, you know, I know my first time. So oh, like, yeah. I don't know what, and I'm going to school for chemistry. At the time. Yes. So like I'm in uh, uh chem one, chem two, you know, they went to organic chem and or, or, or organic chem one, organic chem two. And really fell in love with the process of science and fell in love with, with the chemistry of it and all, all different elements. And as I'm growing hydroponically, it's all about all the different elements. I'm, I'm having applied science at the same time that I'm learning the theoretical science of it. So me growing and learning about the cannabis plant and how these chemicals work with the cannabis plant, it, was, it, was, it went side by side, very linear with my collegiate education. That's awesome. Um, so really helped give me a really foundational understanding of like what nitrates are, what phosphates are, and micronutrients, and how they all interact with each other, and the antagonism, and the the symbiosis plants have with other fungi and bacteria and stuff. You I know? love it, man. It just so, like, dude, it just shows that 
all it takes is someone who maybe is more science driven and has a background that isn't in cannabis. But look, someone put science in front of you into cannabis and look how passionate you are. You're just yeah. talking about like everything. Like, <laughs> you just love it so much. It's, like It's plants, man. You yes. know, and then plants are a part of us. We are a part of plants. It's how we've evolved and grown throughout the millions of years, you know, yes. like from from the earth coming into being with earth is from dinosaurs into giant forests of mushrooms. Yes. I love talking about the giant mushroom forest. It's crazy. And thinking about the climate back then and how it evolved into like plants and how like we as humans were hunter, hunter gatherers for a long time. And we relied on the forage. We relied on, on going through and picking berries and, and using plants. And it's cool to see how this one particular plant cannabis has, has cannabinoids that it produces exocannabinoids and we have endocannabinoids in our body and we have an entire system tuned and this is what really got me and solidified me and like understanding that this is a therapeutic plant mm-hmm. this is a plant that's evolved with us yeah. right and so why else would we have an entire system endocannabinoid system that ties into every other system you have cardiovascular lymphatic your respiratory system your skeletal system every your nervous system cb1 cb2 receptors in your endocannabinoid system is is the reason why you can maintain a healthy immune system. It it maintains the homeostasis within your body. Why does this plant, this is what got me, right? This is what hooked me in. Why does this plant produce cannabinoids that specifically like a jigsaw puzzle Mm -hmm. fit into our pieces? It's meant for us. It's it. We evolved with us. We evolved with it or we evolved with it. Either one. And it it crazy smells Mm -hmm. that attracts us. And mind you, humans memory, is the one weakness it's like the the the, the achilles heel to the human brain because mm. our memory is not the best because it's not supposed to be yeah it's supposed to we're supposed to be constantly be erasing so we can have new space new storage for more. and not taking yep and so but smell mm. is the 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 strongest sensory olfactory yeah. memory we have it imprinted since birth it, i yep. can remember smells exactly and it smells it it it, it plants like a like a stamp inside your head of a memory, of a time, mm-hmm. of a certain situation, a certain conversation, certain feelings. So why is this plant that, mind you, has compounds that fit into our body like a jigsaw puzzle, why do they produce these smells that we love mm-hmm. and that attracts us? And, and, it's animals, the, and animals, and it's the one part of our brain that actually has good memory. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I was like, we're meant to consume this plant. Oh, yeah. This plant is therapeutic for us. And at the same time, like, so I, my, my, I'm the oldest in my family, okay. right? How many siblings? I have two other siblings. Okay. Uh, mom, single mother. Okay. You know, she raised all three of us, plus wow. her soul. She adopted our cousin. <laughs> all boys or girls? Or... All boys. Oh, wow. Yeah, she had a <laughs> man, and we were rowdy. Um, but, you know, she was just like big mama, though. Okay. And, like, the neighborhood, like, all the kids in her neighborhood would always come over to our house. We always have five, ten, fifteen kids over at one time, and she's feeding us, and they can stay over if they like, or if they had a hard day, she'll come over and talk with them and be like, just everybody, yeah, yeah. And so, um, you know, growing up with that, I, I, I got very close with my family. Aww. You know, we're, even to this day, my brothers and I are very close. My That's mother cool. and I, I talk to my mother every single day, so most of the time, twice a day. That's cool. I love my mother. She's been yeah. my best friend since I can remember. Yeah, shout out to mom. Yeah, mom, <laughs> you killed it, mom. <laughs> so, you know, my brother, my youngest, had a, a, a condition called osteochondroma. Oh, okay. And it's bone tumors. Whoa. And they're painful. And as your bones grow as a kid, you go from a gelatinous ball of baby mm-hmm. to an amorphous, <laughs> from an amorphous yes. solid into a strong uh, a, a skeletal built 
body. So, so as is your like bones grow, growth? yeah, they're, they're cancerous growths that grow with your bones. So as your bones grow, you'll get these little spurs. And then the only solution the doctors have is I'm going to have to slice you open, take a hammer and chisel and start going to town. And so my brother did Jesus one of these operations Christ. when he was 12, I think. And on they, a knee or something? On, on his leg. Yep. Yeah. And they severed a nerve. He can't mm-hmm. feel the end of his kneecap because they the doctors, oops, I nicked something on accident. Oh, yeah. And so, but, you know, I've been against very, he's four years younger than me. Yeah. So when he was like 12, I was 16, I was still very yeah. anti, anti-weed. anti He just started smoking. He just started eating it. And so, Screw you, big bro. He just, he just he didn't tell anyone. Same my middle brother. He didn't tell anyone. They just started doing it. Like, you know, because like it's, it's the Midwest, man. It's like, what else are you going to do? You know? And so. But my brother, after that first surgery, he didn't want to do it anymore. He started consuming cannabis. Mm-hmm. And a year later, he went in for his yearly review. And the doctors couldn't find the bone tumors anymore. And they said, you're going to have it until you stopped growing. But it doesn't cure cancer, right? Right. You know, there's patents on it. And it yeah. doesn't cure cancer legally. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you know, illegally, it does a lot of things. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know, but, but so after that, my brother didn't have another surgery. It cures bone. It cures osteochondroma, which is an incurable. Uh, I mean, he was eating edibles. He was smoking. He did. It's he was fourteen. You know, yeah. he was doing anything he could. He'll give it all. Yeah. So, um, and so, it, honestly, it opened my eyes, and I, I blew my knee out when I was. I played sports. That's what my mom wanted me to do: is go football, football, football baseball, wrestling, okay. and we just rotated throughout the seasons. Did you blow your you know? knee out in baseball? Nope. Football? Football. Okay. It was from baseball because I was a catcher. Oh, so I was a catcher okay. for like eight, nine years. That was very hard on my knees. So you're like bent over squatting? Oh, yeah, squatting up, going down, up, down, up, down, down. It tears your knees up if you don't yeah. take care of it. And they taught me how to play sports real well, but they take me and tell me how to take care of my take care of my body real well. Yeah. And so, you know, two big things really woke me up to the therapeutic abilities of the plant. One is my brother and his, his bone tumors. The other is when I blew my knee out, I was eating... Uh, you know, 16, I was doing two days of football, got up and just twisted my knee wrong and went to go sprint and it just gave out. And so from then they went through the, they scoped my knee and they sucked out all the soft tissue that I shredded and, and put me in a leg mobilizer for six to eight weeks. And you like oxy or something like that? No, no, no. I, 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 didn't, I never liked that crap. Good. I was, um, I, I liked ibuprofen. Good. That's better. <laughs> kind of, kind of. So here's the thing about <laughs> ibuprofen though. It, it, it's an anti-inflammatory. It works really good until it actually causes photosensitivity issues. And one of the side effects is called photosensitivity. And you can't go from a light room to a dark room or a dark room to a light room without going blind for 30, 45 seconds. No. To the point where like, I, I almost like fell down dark staircases because I just going from the kitchen downstairs to the basement just to yeah. go get into the pantry. And like, I, everything goes white. And I can't see. And so I went to the doctor and the doctor's like, yeah, this is part of the side effects because sometimes you have photosensitivity issues. Your eyes are getting more sensitive. How much ibuprofen are you eating? I'm like, I'm eating four to six, 800 milligram ibuprofen every day. And he goes, holy cow. And not to, talk, not to mention like your organ damage that can occur Stomach from that. lining. Yep. And so I had to have an alternative, mm-hmm. right? And that's right when I started smoking weed. Hey. And I realized <laughs> that like, hey, my knee doesn't hurt as much. So I've always driven a manual car. Okay. My left knee is I my bad knee is, is my close knee. Okay. And so, um, I, I, you know, I, I started consuming cannabis and I was like, oh my God, my pain went away. I don't have to eat ibuprofen anymore. And that, that was the last thing. I think it was about freshman year. It was the end of my freshman year, beginning of my sophomore year of college. Okay. Where it really solidified in my brain that this plant is meant to be consumed by humans. It helps us in so many ways. It helps us, it helps us. It's medicine. It helps us mentally. 
with our mental health. It helps us with our physical health. Spiritually. It helps us with our spiritual health. And it's in a society that we live in now where everything's very disconnected and, and where everybody's at each other's throats. I think it's, it's more important now that we consume medicinal substances that bring mm -hmm. us together like mushrooms yes. and, 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 and cannabis yes. and all these naturally therapeutic things that we can do where we don't have to cope with alcohol, where we don't have to cope with all these different substances. Yep. Because like I said, I was drinking like a fish when I was a teenager. I learned really quick about like, well, by the time I was 21, I, I learned that like, you probably shouldn't do this as much as you are. You probably should take it back 10 notches. Yeah. And doing you know? things like my buddies and I, we were talking about this the other day. Like I can't drink, Whenever I drink now, it's leisure only, and it's just one or two drinks because, personally, I prefer cannabis, but obviously, I make my own mead, and I try to make my own stuff because it's, it's gluten-free, and I, I can talk about that for a little bit, but um, my buddy Corey and I, uh, we used to do Bacardi 151 shots, like oh, jackasses, oh, just straight, and dude, that is so bad We were doing you. Everclear shots. Yes. My buddy has an obsession oh, with one year with Everclear for some unknown reason, and it's you know, I use this comparison with cannabis also. Like, you don't want to just shoot Everclear and drink Everclear all the time. You don't want just the strongest stuff. No, you want something that has uh, tannins. You want mm -hmm. something that has flavor. I love wine. Yeah. I don't really drink a lot of it anymore. Okay. But I do like having a glass. Yeah. I like the palate of it. And yeah. Same thing with cannabis. I like the palate of cannabis more so than I like the, the just give me the effect. Of yeah, it. exactly. You know, I think there's, there's approaches, and I think if you can have it in – in moderation, mm -hmm. it's not the worst for you. Yeah, I you know there's studies saying whiskeys has antioxidant properties. <laughs> I'm sure if you have if you can stop yourself from drinking three, four, ten glasses of whiskey a night and just have one, it's like a glass of wine. I'm sure there's a lot there for you. Yeah, let's do it. Um, I'm a scientist, right? I go by data and I go by um, just general understanding of, of physiology and how it works in the human body. You know, it makes sense that if you drink a little bit, it's good because alcohol has you know um, cleansing properties. You know, has in these these extracts that we make of these grains Dangerous. and stuff, and yeah, it all has there. There's very th therapeutic properties in there. So if you can have self control, yep. it's great for you. For <laughs> those of us that can't, it's yeah. the worst for you. Yep. And then you get into bad coping mechanisms where it's like, okay, life's hard, so I'm just going to drink to make myself feel better. And then you get into a rut, yep. and that can easily turn into a spiral, and it can go down very quickly. Oh, so yes. you know what I've realized is with cannabis, person's not going to take five dabs, go home, and beat their wife. No, no, they're probably going to puke or pass out. You know, I, I, I do five dabs throughout the day, you know? Oh, I do a dab when I wake up. You know, I do a dab when I wake up, I do a dab when I go to sleep, and I, 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 I smoke weed throughout the day. But yep. my thinking is, my understanding, if, you know, there is a higher probability of a guy taking five shots of whiskey and going home and beating their wife. Yep. And it's just, it's a mental thing. Yep. It's a, it, it's, it, it breaks down walls, and sometimes you need those walls to yeah. not go be a crazy person. Yep. You know, cannabis though, I don't, I haven't seen any physical abuse. I don't see anybody that wants to harm anybody yeah. with cannabis. It helps. If anything, it makes you want to go home and cuddle your, yep. your cat. It makes you want to go cuddle <laughs> your, your wife or your significant yep. other, you know? It's because it's and, not a depressant. No. And it's interesting looking at all the different substances and all the different compounds because, you know, alcohol is my background's in so my background originally is in compound pharmacy. Okay. So it's not even agriculture. Okay. My background's in making making medicine, making drugs. Okay, pharmaceutical. Pharmaceutical drugs. Okay. Yep. And so I went to Ohio State. I went to uh, uh, I got into the Department of Pharmacology. Okay. And started 
working that route of things. And that's awesome. I realized I didn't want to get yeah. into the pharmaceutical industry because it's not actually medicine. It's yeah. a patient cure is customer lost. It's their core value. Yep. And they cannot say it all they want. They can be around the bush all they want, but that is the pharmaceutical industry to a team. Yep. I wanted to actually help people. And so understanding all the, what these different compounds and substances are for the human body, you know, like alcohol is a depressant. We have four categories of, of, of drugs. We have depressants, we have stimulants. Mm-hmm. So, you know, caffeine, my, yep. my favorite of choice. Uh, also cocaine, yep. methamphetamines. Um, is you have considered one? nicotine is, is a stimulant. Yep. Then you have uh, psychedelics. Yep. You know, mushrooms, yeah, LSD, I love my mushrooms. mescaline, cacti, yes, you mescaline. know, and then you have, um, <laughs> and then you have the, the category called disassociatives. Oh, uh, okay. It's like horse tranquilizers, like ketamine. Okay. Um, even PCP. I was so, about to say, I've been laced with PCP and that yep. shit was super dissociative. Yep. And it, and it dissociates you from reality. Mm-hmm. Weird thing about THC, it's all four. Whoa. It doesn't just function as one. Okay. And that's why this plant is so amazing. And this molecule is so amazing. Because if you need to go, t- if you're asleep, if you're tired uh-huh. and you want to go to bed, cannabis will put you right out. Oh. If you're just waking up and you're trying to get your head right, it'll wake you right up. If you're trying to, if you're in pain and you're just trying to, dis- you're trying to just get your brain off of the pain, it's a disassociative. Yeah. If you eat too many edibles, that's a straight, <laughs> straight psychedelic. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. To, I, know, yeah. I have auditory hallucinate like crazy. Yep. And if I, that's why I don't really do edibles anymore. I've, I've, I've gone down that road, and that's, that's hard drugs, man. I, you know, like, and that's the, best, the most therapeutic benefit you get from cannabis is eating it. Yep. Your liver processes it. It goes into a, a, a slew of, of metabolites that your liver processes and goes into your bloodstream, and you get a lot of benefit. And that's that's the anti-cancerous. That's the anti-tumorous mm-hmm. when you start eating it. Smoking is is not good by any means because particularly going into your lungs. You still get tar, natural tars and organic. Yeah, and but the uh, difference is that cannabis can cause your lungs to get off of off of itself. Uh, with tobacco, it it's a tar stick because leaf tissue mm-hmm. and not flower matter, yeah. right? And so, just I can't do edibles. <laughs> just, I, can't now. I start like I can't hear the conversation five feet away, That's but I can so hear funny. the dad thirty feet away oh yelling God. at its kid in the restaurant. Everything like your mouth would just moves, and I can't hear you. But I'm, I'm my ears can pick up. It's like those memes where it's like the Chihuahua seeing Vietnam yeah, behind, and you're just like, dear God, what yeah. is happening? <laughs> so I don't, I don't really go down the edible route unless I can microdose cannabis. Yes, and then I can do it, and it makes me feel like good. ten milligrams. Is that about what you ten like? to? So you're really sensitive. To oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I like one to five. I, oh wow. I okay. make I make my own tincture. I make RSO. Okay. I love Pico. RSO. Yeah. And then I tell you, I do an alcohol extraction, mm-hmm. and then I'll take that, and I'll make um, I'll take an ounce of MCT oil because okay. MCT helps uh, THC absorb into your stomach lining. Yep. A little more liver. fatty. Yep. And um, I I put those two together, put like a half gram inside an ounce, and I'll take a little dropper, and I'll do like a couple drops. Nice. So I don't even know if it's like eight milligram. You know, but it, sounds like it, 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 it should be a therapeutic substance. And when it stops being a therapeutic substance for you, because you can overdo anything, yep. you know, then, then you don't get benefit from it. And my whole understanding about this plant is that these compounds that it makes are specifically created to be a therapeutic substance for us. A hundred percent. So we should use it like a therapeutic substance. Yep. You know? I agree. And you know, the Chinese, uh, the ancient Chinese med- this handbook agreed too because uh, cannabis was like the first one of over ten thousand plants. So, and that's saying something for something that's as old as what that is. Absolutely. And you see it in Hinduism. You see, it, I mean, when they talk about Shiva, Ganjama, and all that. Yep. Um, so no, it's definitely it's something rooted into our culture. It's yeah. rooted into society for yeah. thousands and thousands of years. Yeah. For a reason. 
Homo sapiens be chiefing on the weed for every, uh, for every, every <laughs> forever. Uh, Native Americans. Yes. Peace pipe. Yeah. yeah. And I, that's part of my culture is I'm, I'm an eighth Native American. Okay. My mom's, my mom's big into our, our Native American. Okay. So I'm like, I'm half Irish. I'm a quarter English. I'm an eighth Native American and eighth something else, like nice. German or something. I'm like Sicilian and then we got Vikings on the other side. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, um, but that was a part of our, 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 my understanding growing up is that, you know, we are Native American and they do believe that these beliefs of like taking care of the earth and being a steward of it and, and using the earth to heal ourselves and, and and helping our society yeah. you know one and, of my and, favorite oh, sorry not to cut you off no, one yeah. of my favorite things just because of what you said just like helping earth and like taking a part of it uh is so it's, it's always so interesting to me when uh I, I teach people about mushrooms and i you know one of the coolest things about mushrooms i always loved was they used to use psilocybin back in the day with native americans if they were at war or anything like that someone got injured attacked cut open anything, it would help stop the bleeding profusely because it lowers the body temperature of the mm-hmm. human body. So it's really interesting how like like back then, even without science and all that, Native Americans and or even people across the board were using just homeopathic remedies of plants and things like that. And now that we have chemists and chem- chemistry <laughs> and science, we have such passionate people creating products, which honestly, the segue is kind of perfect into my one, the question I wanted to lead you up to because you gave us a really wonderful backstory and you kind of shared your passion with us. But um, so now that you, you're involved in cannabis, you've got all this passion, you're doing all this uh, research. When did it take a turn where you just you decided to create your first product, and how did that turn into Culture Biologics? Oh, yes, that's perfect. Um, that's a good story. So <laughs> I started off, I got out of college, didn't really know what I wanted to do, and they are opening up, a, I met these guys by, by the sheer uh, happenstance. These, okay. I was working at a hotel, I ran out of college, take a summer job. Again, don't really, I'm 21, I don't really know what I want to do with my life, yeah. 20, 22, and so I was trying to figure it out. These guys come through. And my best friend, I checked me because he's working with me. And he turns around after we checked me and he goes, hey, man, do you guys get me weed? <laughs> <laughs> and so I've been growing since uh, freshman year of college, yeah. right? So this is like four years at this point. I've been growing. I'm like, yeah, I can get you some weed. And nice new homies and stuff. So we had some dank death star. Oh, Greasy, stinky, yes. sour diesel, scentsy star. Just the, yeah. the, it's one of those, those strains where you can take it into a room and it fills up the room. You can yeah. put it inside a dresser drawer and the room fill up, the hallway fill up, <laughs> so that's what happened. Yeah. He, we got a game of weed and they went upstairs, put it in the drawer and the whole hallway in the hotel started smelling. And the the laundry, the the, the laundry ladies, or the housekeeping, sorry, the housekeeping ladies were walking through the, the hallway and taking down, we were the, we were the auditors. Mm-hmm. So I'd make we'd, all the charges, we'd run the charges. You know, like, this is smell like they're smoking weed. They're like, no, no, they're not. Like, How do you know? I'm like, don't ask questions you yeah. don't want the answer to but no they're not smoking weed i promise and they go okay so you know we hang out with them they're at that cultivate conference up in uh, columbus ohio okay uh ornamental plant conference right? okay so they're there because they just opened up a north american distribution arm Ooh. for a, a north or a south korean fertilizer or a pesticide fertilizer <laughs> okay and so they met me they met my best friend he does in advertising, I did chemistry, and so they're like, We need both of you guys because we don't, they're salesmen and a business owner. So he's like, We need some help. Okay, he's like, You guys want to jump into the our fertilizer company? I was like, Yeah, you know what happens, you start smoking a joint yeah, with them, you get a conversation, they're like, Oh, oh, that's what you do. Oh, this is what I'm doing. You connect some dots, like, This would be a good com- combination if we came together, right? So within the, that was in July of 2012, by October 2012, they moved us to Colorado to open up the fertilizer company. 
And at the same time, they're having me work at the factory over in South Korea with all these weird Asian uh, uh, chemistry products. Um, they're taking extracts from uh, the Sephora tree, which is a tree out in China. Do you and, know anything and, much about it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, so I, I studied with them for, I, I worked with them for four years. Okay. So I was working with the factory and trying to make formulations for the United States that fit our conventional agriculture system. From Chinese plants. Uh, from from the, the Korean products. Oh, the Korean products. Okay. Uh, so the Korean the Korean technology way it works, you know, Korean natural farming. Yes. Jadam. Uh, yes. Japanese natural farming essentially. Yes. Um this 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 factory in Seoul, South Korea, had a bunch of PhDs that worked with the United Nations on trying to figure out or the European Commission, sorry that just trying to figure out how do we reduce healthcare costs? And the thing they came down to, they had a giant symposium of 3,000 people of the world, brightest minds in the world in healthcare. And like, do we do we have better hospitals? Do we train doctors differently? And so they go start going to the thing, how do we reduce the cost of healthcare on their society? And the thing they came down to was the food you eat. Yeah. It's the number one thing. The food yes. you consume is the number one thing to keep people in the hospital or out of the doctor's or out of the hospital. Said, in the doctor's know? office or out of the doctor's office. Yep. And so if you eat product plants, if you eat produce that has chemicals on it, pesticides, neurotoxins, it's gonna impact your body. Glyphosate, herbicide, it's gonna impact your body. So these PhDs and postdocs from the University of Seoul, South Korea started this factory to make advanced organic agrochemicals so we can grow our crops that have high antioxidants. So we can have grow our crops that don't have the poisons on them, but we can still kill the target pests. Okay. So they're using plants from China. They're using plants from all over Asia and doing extracts, terpene extracts. They're doing terpene isolations. Yeah, because they deal and, with a lot of wild insects out in Asia. Oh, yeah. Yep. And so they, and so you have to imagine that the chemicals we use to kill those bugs have to be have to be really good. They yeah. have to be effective yeah. because they can't just afford to, to lose an entire crop yeah. because of the pest pressure. So these are some of the brightest minds in South Korea that were trying to figure out how to make the latest, greatest organic biopesticides and organic fertilizers. So I worked with them for four years. Sucking up all that knowledge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, they, they're, they're stingy about the technology. Nah, so yeah. they gave me a list of compounds, and I figured out what the list of compounds were and what they were doing to them and gave them the 10 reasons why their products are better than everybody else. And they went to the business center and were like, what did you tell this kid? How does he know? And he's like, I don't know. He's just that kid. Smart. <laughs> like, I put two and two together. Man, I'm a chemist. Yeah. Like it's, it's just my it's my nature. Your brain is just like I must unlock it. <laughs> so, exactly. So I spent four years working in conventional agriculture, taking all these advanced organic agrochemicals and seeing how we can apply them to our conventional fertilizer technology. I'm 22, 23, 24, going to these 70 year old farmers in Florida, pitching them all the latest, greatest organic technology. And let me tell you. I was not the favorite person on the property. You, you get had, the hell out of here, boy. <laughs> well, I had a farmer tell me, because like we have an organic herbicide that's natural. And he's like, I don't believe in that shit. <laughs> you don't believe it. it's, it's new technology. Like, we've been doing this, this for like 120 years. This, is, this is new. And he's like, listen, I'm doing what my grandpappy told me. I had I had the Roundup. Uh, I, no, I had the Bayer rep out here. And he was telling me that uh, I can drink Roundup, and it's safe for me to drink, and I don't need to worry about all them hippies coming in and telling me all the mumbo jumbo about it's bad for me. I literally, my jaw hit the floor. I'm like, it's eco friendly, it's good for the environment. You can build the carbon in your topsoil. I gave my whole spiel, right? And so that was the song and dance for for all the farmers in Florida, and that's when yeah. I realized that like 
I don't really want to be in United States agriculture. Yes. But throughout this time, it was really cool because even though I hated United States agriculture, conventional agriculture, because it's just so rooted in all these chemicals and all this chemi the hard chemistry that destroys our environment, yeah. at the same time, I was able to travel the world and visit seven different countries and learn how Africa did agriculture, how Europe did agriculture, how Asia, agriculture. and South America and Central America, how they do their agriculture and how we do their agriculture. How so does Central America do their agriculture? Because I've heard that there is too much. Very, uh, it's, it's very simple. It's very basic. They okay. don't have the technology to, to, to have GPS tractors. Yep. They're on hillsides. Yep. So they rely on rainwater. They don't have irrigation. There's a guy, do one guy out there. shoots like to run water and stuff? Not really. Not it's really just on hillsides. They plant it. It's coffee. Most of the okay. coffee, a lot okay. of it's tropicals also, like okay. like, like uh, papaya, mango. They all grow wild there. Okay. They don't need too much, right? Gotcha. I mean, you have like the banana plantation. So oh, they'll, yeah, yeah, they'll, yeah, they'll make yeah, grow yeah. crop out of bananas. Gotcha. They'll make grow crop out of the coffee. Guava and things like that. Yeah. So what they'll do is they usually have like some type of, it's called a uh, uh, TVA fertilizer. Okay. Tennessee Valley Authority, Authority Fertilizer. We made it back in the 70s and 80s. It's where we take salts and we bind them together into a 30-day slow-release pro. Okay. That's their latest, greatest technology out there because what they can do is once a month, they can have a guy go out and they can just drop it on each coffee plant, on the soil of each coffee plant, and it feeds the coffee plant. And so they rely on rainwater because they can't afford the irrigation, except unless you're like in Costa Rica or Panama. Okay. I'm talking Honduras, El Salvador, Guatemala. Yeah. Places care. where like water is just scarce for even the people they have. Well, I mean, you get rainwater. Yeah, that, that's your water. That's, that's your water. Fresh okay. water is a little scarce just because you don't have the piping like we do here in the United States. Gotcha, gotcha. And so they do they do it differently. They do it like the old school way, where it's okay. they, when they want to go spray a plant, they have four guys put on a four gallon backpack sprayer, and they go up and down, and they'll split you know two hectares, which is like five acres between four people, and they'll spend all day just spraying those plants with a backpack sprayer. Oh, yeah, very manual, very, very labor intensive. So, when making agrochemicals for it, you have to understand that, like, these guys are on the hillside. Yeah. You have to understand that they don't have the technology that you need to, if you have, like, a micronized powder yeah, or even a liquid, you, you, can't, you can't irrigate. The only oh, way they can actually top, feed their plants is top dressing okay. with TVA fertilizer. And so, that's the name of the game there is if you want to sell fertilizer down there, you have to have granulars, have a slow release. In Africa, the, the rebels have owned and it's been in so many, the government's been in so many mm -hmm. different people's hands that they don't allow, people are in South Africa just now in the past like six years, eight years, able to go out there and grow their own food. Yep. And it's and really so, wild how they do it because they build mounds and they mm -hmm. build mounds up on the soil to actually plant it because the soil's not the best underneath. No, no, no. And, and, and the other thing is they don't, they have so many different climactic zones in Africa. That they have to, and if you go anywhere north of South Africa to plant, even north of South Africa to plant potatoes, if they don't plant them deep enough, they won't get a potato crop. Whoa. And so they'll take acres and acres and acres and plant a bunch of potatoes and not plant them deep enough. Uh, and that's when we were going over there, we are talking to the farmers, like, what what is your guys' biggest hurdle right now? And we're like, well, and when I was with the potato agronomist from Russia, which Russia is huge in potato production. And so he taught me all about the Russian ways and how they grow agriculture up in Russia. And he's like, the way we do it in Russia is you have to plant it. X amount of centimeters deep. He's like, mm. they're only going this amount. Mm. He's like, they need to go another 20 centimeters deep. So we were out there teaching all these people, these new farmers, first, literally first generation farmers, yep. how to cultivate potatoes and crops in South Africa and get a crop out of it and withstand the freeze. Wow. And you have people crying to us about the dust, about the destitute uh, famine and, and poverty there. And it's really bad. And all they want to know is 
how do I grow my, my food? How do I provide for my family? How do I eat? And not rely on this awful aid food, U.S. aid food, because yeah. it's just filler and just it's not it's it's empty carbs, it's yeah, empty calories. It's not you know, because our stomach can't digest half the no. shit we put in. We put microplastics into yeah, all, all of our crap. It's so bad. And so all these people wanted, and this one so very like I hated conventional agriculture, but I love yeah. the experience I got uh, to understand what was actually going on in the world, how people were growing crops. Because also like Europe, Europe has tons of technology. Yeah, the Netherlands. Yep, dude. Holland has great Switzerland. And Switch, dude, they have great technology, and they're all about the greenhouses and all about like the. You go to uh, Holland, look at the tulips. Tulips, uh, tulips, tulips, yes, tulips. Spain. I love seeing the pictures. Dude, Spain, tons of cut flowers. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah, and and Europe is very industrialized. But you go down south to like Africa, nothing. And so you get a really, really cool understanding of the differences between everywhere and what what people need and what they're trying to get at, and. I, throughout this, I was able to work with the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization, um, trying to figure out how do we generate regenerate beaten up land. Oh, and so that's I, tough. My, my my mentor was the Ministry of Agriculture in Costa Rica in 1994, I believe. And you're not just talking um, like like those listening. He's not talking about like oh just a, a plot of land. Like this is talking like hundreds of acres of land that you would be trying to regenerate. Yep, conventional farmland. Yes. So we take 100 acres, you know, give or take a thousand acres. Mm-hmm. Thousands lot. We used to do, we're doing 10, 10 to 100 acre plots and we're trying to figure out, okay, nothing grows on this land. Yeah. It's been farmed on for 20, 30 years. Yeah. What's going on with it? And every single time, the number one factor, regardless of how you spin it, whether it was pesticides, regardless of it was fertilizers that tanked it out, regardless of it was just bad monocropping and not replacing, not doing cover crops and protecting the topsoil. The number one issue with all these barren farmlands, and we see this in the United States, and we see this in Europe, and we see this in any place that has had conventional agriculture on it, there's no carbon in the soil. Uh, it's the carbon content. Carbon is the source of all life. Mm-hmm. You are a carbon organism. Yep. Plants are a carbon organism. You know, carbon makes up 43%, for, sorry, 44% of the plant's composition. Yep, it's like, uh, it's like 20-some percent found around the core or something. Like that, and the crust has like a large portion of carbon. Uh, I mean, think about it. the Earth is the largest carbon vessel in the universe. Yeah. So that millions and millions of years of animals and plants die, and all that compaction just—it's just layers and layers and layers of carbon. That makes sense. And so when you grow plants, guess what plants use? Because they're forty-four percent carbon. Carbon. They use carbon. But you know, <laughs> the fertilizer, they're all nitrate based. They're all phosphate based. Yeah, so it, potassium or you know, all that. You crap. know, so it, it's it creates an environment where the plant's taking the carbon out of the soil, mm-hmm. but all we're doing is putting nitrates, phosphates, and all these different individual elements in the soil. Yep. So then you get salt buildup because you don't have the organisms there anymore that rely on the carbon. And or and organic matter is what retains elements and nutrients in the soil so when you start degrading organic matter but we're not putting manures down yeah we're not putting compost down we're not doing any of these old archaic practices is adding chemical fertilizer exactly on top we're not replenishing the carbon layer so the top soil is getting depleted so what ends up happening is all the life just disappears yep because of the chemicals the pesticides because of the, the, the nitrates and, beneficials, yeah, everything. And, and nature balances mm-hmm. and and when you start doing that nature goes elsewhere yep and it creates this void and the first thing to come back in this void is pathogens. The first thing that comes back in all of this are the the, wow. the the pests that you don't want. That makes sense. Because it, now it's they don't have any of the protectors in the soil anymore. Mm-hmm. They don't have any of the beneficial microorganisms. They don't have the ecosystems that's bringing in the dragonflies 
They don't have the ecosystem that brings in the pollinators anymore. So yields are going down. So it right, creates like a, the extra crops that may have grown there, like mint or something that kept some pest away. Mm-hmm. Like all that's going to die even, off. I mean, ladybugs, man. Yeah, ladybugs, ladybugs are aphids. Big they, they are the terminators for aphids. They're so cute. They're right? so cute. <laughs> so, except for the, the young. The yeah. broods are very, <laughs> they, they look like evil pesty machines. <laughs> you know, like, yep. gonna, like if, they, if you have, so, took one of the little the little the ladybug larva yep. and you blew it up to the, the size of a car, you'd be oh, like, God. I am running as yeah. fast as I can. <laughs> you know, but they're, but they're great because they, they they eat the pests. And so uh praying mantis. You yeah, know we have we have all these and, and you get predatory mites and you get all these things in the ecosystem that naturally balance itself. And when you start spreading all these chemicals all over the nitrates, phosphates, yeah. the the midcloprid, the systemics, fungicides, the, pesticides, yeah, the herbicides. Everything. It kills all the life and just and take and the plants take out all the carbon. Yep. And there's nothing in that topsoil anymore that generates life. Yep. And so the number one thing we found when I was working with the United Nations is there wasn't carbon in I mean, in these soils. And as soon as we started putting carbon back into the soil and started analyzing and seeing getting it over that one percent mark up to the three to five percent mark. All life just came back. Yeah. All the molecules, all the synthetic molecules started being broken down. So all the toxic mm, chemicals okay. started getting remediated by, okay. by all the organisms that started coming back and started processing the chemicals into something that was uh, not as bad for the environment. Okay. So, so like less more, harsh. Almost like a, like a natural rock salt almost. Well, I mean, it's like it's micro-remediation. Yeah, micro-remediation. So it's using its, its fungi, its bacteria okay. that are going through and eating all of these toxic molecules and processing them to a form that's actually safe for the environment. Okay. And this is why, again, why I love cannabis because it's a, it's a, a cannabis is a remediate, remediation plant. Cannabis can pull radiation out of the soil and Chernobyl. I've heard of fungus doing that, but not cannabis. That's cannabis. In Chernobyl, they are planting hemp to absorb all the radiation and process the radiation into a form that wasn't radioactive anymore. Whoa. Because organisms, Check that out, people. <laughs> organisms, organisms in, in, in nature have a way of balancing even the most awful catastrophes. We have bacteria and fungi now that eat through petroleum. Yeah, I've seen you know? that, and that's and, actually crazy. If we apply this awesome technology that's in microorganisms yes. that have naturally evolved over over thousands of millennia, thousands of years and millennia, it creates an environment that's actually inhabitable again. Yep. It can take some of the most toxic places and turn them into a place that's not so toxic that other life can come in and detoxify it further. And then that provide, provides another section of life that can come in further detoxify it. It's like mm-hmm. the soil in the Amazon that the they, they studied that was like mm-hmm. made all those years ago, packed full of the micro beneficials yep. and everything, man. And it's all it's black. Yep. It's literally black. And that's because black is carbon. Yeah. Carbon holds all life. That makes and sense. And so... That's really where I got in, you know, it's a full circle into your conversation. That's really where I got into this. And after I started, stopped working for, for the, the Korea, the company from South Korea and, uh, we were working, I had my best friend and my other best friend working with me. Yeah. We, we got through that and we didn't want to work for anyone anymore because we we're just taking their chemicals and just spreading it. Right. Yeah. It's not they're good chemicals they're organic chemicals, but we were still white labeling. We were still having to take the stuff over there and rebrand it as our stuff. And the, what I wanted most is I wanted to make products of my own. Yeah. Mostly because I was working with all these different, all these different places around the world and realizing what is actually needed mm-hmm. to rejuvenate our land, what's needed to repair our earth. Yeah. And I wanted to make product lines and I wanted to make products mm-hmm. that were specifically geared 
to not only high high value crop production, you know, cranking out the, the bushels per acre, but also rejuvenating our topsoil, providing a better ecosystem to grow and having a better microbiome inside the soil to take care of the plant. And we can do that without using these chemicals and still use advanced fertilizer technology and biopesticide technology to grow plants and get the yield that we need to out of them. Because mind you, population's only increasing. Yes. We're gonna need yep. 50 to 75% more food by 2050. Yep. So how do we do that? Organics. Without destroying our land. Microbiology and microsciences. You know, and, and technology is really cool because it's gotten to the point where we can't, we couldn't make these products 40 years ago. We couldn't make some of these products 20 years ago, like that terpene-based fungicide I gave you. I was about to say, let's kind of talk about that. Where... So, so uh, you know, getting into this, I wanted to start culture and yes. make products that matter. Make products that are actually good for the environment. Show the new technology that we can apply to hydroponics. Yeah. And so that's why we're doing innovative, innovative things like isolating terpenes and emulsifying those terpenes into a fungicide. And instead of using mycobutanol, which is Eagle 20, that okay. is a systemic last for And that's been like the months. most popular one in the industry to use. Yeah, it got, it's banned, okay. right? It's, okay. a, it's a neurotoxin. Uh, oh, University okay. of Denver did a study on it that when you light it on fire, it actually turns hydrogen cyanide. Wow. So if you're using it, it has a six-month half-life in the plant, you're going to be inhaling hydrogen cyanide. And dying. Yeah. And so these chemicals are not good for us. No. So there, we have to have alternatives. And this is where my technology comes in and why we opened up Culture Biologics is to provide chemical alternatives called soft chemistries, alternatives to the hard chemistries. Okay. And it's where we can use isolated terpenes, like terpenes from the thyme, from thyme oil okay. and terpenes from citronella oil. I can emulsify them, them with into water so it makes a concentrate that you can dilute for 15 a half ounce per gallon mm -hmm. and spray your plants. And these terpenes not only kill fungal bodies mm -hmm. and bacterial pathogens that are established, like you see the fuzzy start to grow on your plants, that's an established fungal body. Mm -hmm. That fungi has been growing microscopically inside the plant before you saw it go fuzzy. Yep. And so there's two, two parts of this. One, you have to kill the fungi that are established already, yes. right? The matured fungal bodies. But two, you have to prevent fungi from growing. And so these terpenes are really cool. These terpenes specifically inhibit the potassium ion oh. from, from going from cell to cell inside the fungi. And potassium ion is specifically used within fungi to build the cell wall. So if you stop the potassium ion, if you inhibit it from transferring throughout the fungi, it, calls, it causes what we call cell lysis, which is cell death. And the cells rupture open. That's oh, why we call it rupture. Okay. It's rupturing the fungal cells. Okay. But it's really cool. It's, <laughs> it, it, it targets pathogens, but it doesn't target the good fungi. Okay. It, it's, it's interesting how selective it is and how it kills anthracnose, alternaria, downy mildew, powdery mildew. It kills uh, pythium. It kills uh, septoria blight. It kills a lot of different fungi, but it won't attack any of the bacillus. Okay. It won't attack any of the mycorrhizae. It won't attack okay. any of the trichoderma. It, it's very selective, but we can use it to not only kill the fungal body, but because it inhibits the potassium ion, mm -hmm. when the spores, the fungal spores, the microscopic spores that you can't see are floating around in your room, if you spray this, it gets on, it makes contact with the spore and prevents the spore from germinating. So Whoa. you can act, if you're using it preventatively, you can actually kill the spores in your room and they never have time to land on your leaf and anchor into your leaf and start growing. Now, is that something someone would want to look into like uh, maybe one of those really nice fogger or mister things where they could just like mist their room real nice? Absolutely. Foggers are the best because when you, when you specifically atomizing, 
because when you atomize things, it heats it up yeah, and it sprays it. it, it fumigates it. Okay. And when you fumigate, there's two different properties essential oils have. You can spray it and the oil itself has compounds, but when you heat it up and atomize it and fumigate it, it evolves some of these molecules into a more lethal form for the bugs oh, and for the pathogens. Cool. So it like so kicks it up a notch. Kind of, yeah. Like on certain, yep, on certain ones. Like cinnamon really oil, when you, when you fumigate mm -hmm. cinnamon oil, it turns more effective. Whoa. It's still effective, but when you fumigate, it turns more effective. That's so interesting. Um, Should you wear a mask while you're doing the atomization? So I always recommend, um, always on, on, on record, to make sure you wear your PPE. Yeah. You know, make sure you wear gloves, make sure you wear long sleeves. I mean, all these compounds are very natural I mean, derived derived from botanicals yes. right but the thing is even concentrated natural stuff is bad for you yep. you know you, you touch poison ivy it's still going to give you a rash you know it's natural yep. it grows organically but you, know, <laughs> but you know it's it's important to make sure you're taken care of and if you're spraying in a small space inside your house um you probably don't need to wear too much ppe you know you're not going to gas out a whole room yeah if you're in a facility you're going to need to wear proper PPE because you're going to fog out the entire room. Cool. You know, and so it's just uh, set and setting. Good. You know, you're always be it. smart where they don't yep. like destroy your lungs with yeah, something. Yeah, because it's botanicals it. doesn't mean it's smart yeah. to inhale. Yeah, I mean, I I am super sensitive to terpenes and oils. Okay. If I get a spot of cinnamon oil on me, I break out. Oh wow, that's mm -hmm. like with me and peppermint oil. It, yep. I, it burns my skin. It makes me rashy and blotchy. Yep, it's the same same thing. So. Okay. Um, First product we made though was our Easy Teas. Okay. Yeah, let's talk about all the products. Let's yeah. kind of go down the list of uh, where you guys are, uh, what products you guys have been creating, what were sure. your first ones, and then what, what you guys are doing now. Yep. Yeah. So um, our first line we wanted to make was a microbial line because we wanted to be an additive mm -hmm. company to start. Uh, we had some really cool instant tea technology. So instead of brewing compost teas, we can take the spores of bacteria and then and put them into a blend that has a bunch of prebiotics. So when you put the spores into water, they start munching down on plant proteins, on plant carbohydrates, they start munching down, we put a carbon source in there, so humic acids. And mind, mind you, trace minerals are prebiotics, are food for microorganisms. The iron, the zinc, the manganese, the copper, that's all food for bacteria. Okay. So when you put it on a carbon base, you can have a really cool microbial food so the microbes will germinate super quick and you don't have to brew it okay. and, and and more importantly though they come alive inside your soil in your substrate where you want them to come alive because when we make a a, a reservoir of water mm -hmm. and we let the microbial microorganisms brew inside yep. that water that poop stew. They, that poop stew, <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna be they're gonna they're gonna have a certain ratio of 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 certain type of bacteria certain ones are going to compete each other because it's, it's in a hydroponic fashion it's in a water culture when it goes into the soil it's a whole different ecosystem for microorganisms okay. they can start eating other things they can start balancing out and finding a homeostasis so that's and why i actually build their own colonies exactly and they'll balance themselves out in the substrate where you want them to go instead of balancing themselves in the water first and then adjusting once you put them into your substrate. Oh. So that's why I like instant teeth because the bacteria will, will adjust, will, or the bacteria and fungi will accommodate themselves to your substrate. I like instant teeth too because my apartment's not going to smell like exactly. shit. Exactly. <laughs> the whole thing is like, it's no mess, it's no hassle, it's no cleanup. Yes. You know, it's powder and water. The bacteria doesn't make the biofilm until they start brewing. And that's once they awesome. make the biofilm in your soil, that's where you want it. Yeah. So you also don't chance hurting the bacteria 
before you or actually... the pH problem too, which yeah. is another big thing with teas where you could be at one pH, but then you go another day brewing yeah. or it sits for even three hours and you're completely shifted. So, yeah. and so the, the really cool thing about bacterial spores is you can put them on a meteor and throw that sucker in space and have it land on the planet. And as long as that planet is in a conducive environment for the bacteria to germinate, it'll grow still. Yeah. You know, panspermia. Uh, no, no. Panspermia is the idea that life on this planet came from another planet on a comet. I've and heard it of hit this, our okay. Earth, and because Earth was a, was a habitable environment, you could you, you could actually, it, it, it created life because it could live here. And it went through space and came here, hit the Earth, and then started growing alien life forms, life forms <laughs> on this Earth. And that's how Earth evolved all the different life forms. That's interesting. So if you apply that to bacterial spores, they can go anywhere. They can withstand high temperatures and low temperatures. They can span, they can deal with high CO2, high oxygen, nothing. They can deal with the vacuum. You, They can withstand uh, tons of PPM, over 2000 PPM of salinity. Oh wow! And still, oh yeah, get you can find bacteria in the ocean and volcanoes and oh, all yeah. sorts of places. Yep, there's there's uh, extremophiles. Okay, you know, um, they're extremophiles, and so the these bacterial spores is why I like using them is because you can go up and down in pH from a pH of four to a pH of nine. As long as your soil is a good pH, yeah. the bacterial spores still come alive. Okay. If, if you have two thousand ppm in your nutrient reservoir and you put these bacterial spores, if you put them in your soil and your soil is like 400 ppm, even a thousand ppm, they'll come alive. Okay. You know, you could fluctuate your your um, your your pH down to four, and then put it into your soil. As long as your soil is seven five or seven or whatever, it they're going to come back alive. Okay. So bacteria never die really; they just go dormant. Okay. And so when we put them in the spore form, they're more versatile. So you don't have to worry about pH things. You don't have to worry about ppm. You don't have to worry about a lot of the issues. You can actually use these teas mix them up and just water your plants. And you say teas. Now, how many teas, what kind of teas are you guys making? So we have two teas. We have a veg tea okay. and a bloom tea. Easy okay. tea veg, easy tea bloom. And those were our first two products. Um, one just has a more, uh, a better profile for vegetative growth. And the other has a, veg a, a better profile for blooming growth. Perfect. So more PK probably in the vegetative. Both of, them have, mo both of them have zero P. Okay. You're already using a ton of pee in your Perfect. beets. You don't in your, in your soil. You don't Sick. need to add phosphorus unless you, you really want to, but it doesn't. It shouldn't come with your teas. I'm glad so, that you do that because uh, I that tends to overdo it for my teas when mm -hmm. people put it in. Exactly. There. I want I want this to be a low ppm tea that you can put with any nutrient system. Oh, sweet. Okay. Yep. Okay. Okay. So the veg one has more amino acids. It has less calcium and less micronutrients. Okay. Um. The microbial profile is more geared towards veg. So there's nitrogen fixing bacteria. There, um, I, I put amino acids in there that specifically turn into rooting hormones. Ooh, so okay. and, and most bacteria have what we call an L-tryptophan pathway. Okay. A lot of bacillus do. Okay. Um, specifically azospirillum too, Braslins. It's a, the nitrogen fixing bacteria. It'll yeah. eat L-tryptophan and then turn it into indole-based rooting compounds. It has five pathways to process L-tryptophan into indole-based compounds. So it's probably so one of the best ones to use for rooting. Oh yeah. Yep. And then we have our bloom tea and that has more phosphosolubilizers. So there's some panay bacillus in there that's phosphosolubilizers, bacillus megaterium that's in there. Okay. Uh, we use another one called bacillus mucilaginosus. I've heard of that one. Um, it's a potassium and silicon solubilizer. Yes. Okay. Okay. And it's, we, there's really cool studies on putting megaterium with mucilaginosus and they work together okay. for each other. 
that not only so megatherium is really good at breaking down rock phosphate and turning into orthophosphate, which is the plant available form of phosphorus. Yeah. The um, uh, is really good at breaking apart calium ore, which is potassium ore. Calium is why it's oh, K, potassium K. Okay. It's technically called calium in Latin. Okay. And so it, the calium ore is what the mucilaginosis breaks down. And each of those break down phosphorus and potassium at a certain rate. But when you put them together, they increase the amount of soluble phosphorus and potassium together. Whoa. So the blooming is more geared to breaking down your phosphorus and your potassium inside your soil. So it's not about giving the plant phosphorus and potassium. It's about breaking it down and making it available. And that's the whole point of a compost tea. is isn't like feed the plant. Yeah. It's to put the bacteria in there so they can go work on your soil. And feed. Yes. So we made those two products. Feeding the soil. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Feed the soil, soil, feed your plant. So we did those two products. And then we made the doctor line, which is Dr. Root and Dr. Growth. Okay. Uh, Dr. Root is a mycorrhizae based rooting product. For like cloning or just like in general rooting? Uh, for cloning, for transplanting. Okay. It has mycorrhizae in there. It has more azospirillum. Okay. We'll put more L-tryptophan in there. And then it also contains uh, aloe vera. Oh, I love the smell of aloe vera. And aloe vera is expensive. And we have a really good source of it that isn't that expensive, and I can put it with products. And it's got like 90 micronutrients in it, right? It's, there's a there's a bunch of stuff in aloe okay. vera. There's saponins, there's uh, growth promoters, mm -hmm. there's salicylic acid in there, there's uh, gibberellins, there's, it's, a, it's a great tonic for plants. And so my whole goal with the Dr. Root is to make healthy root systems. Okay. And the mycorrhizae is my main catalyst for making healthy root systems, is to make sure from the time you're germinating seeds, you can soak seeds with it. Yeah. The, from the, you can soak plugs with it. So when you're taking clones, and as soon as you get a tap root or you get some type of nodal root come out from your stem, it's immediately inoculated with mycorrhizae and bacteria. So that, that allows you from the very get-go, from the very start, to have a good root system. And then you have other conditioners like humic acids, and you have aloe vera, and you have seaweed extracts in there okay. that are also root promoters. Seaweed extract's a big one. I love seaweed oh, yeah. extracts. And we have really cool technology with uh, algae extracts. Okay. It's like a seaweed extract. It has the same hormonal profile. But it's um, algae. But it's algae, so it doesn't have the mercury. It doesn't have all this, this high salinity, the salt complex from, from the seed. Um, and then we made Dr. Growth. And Dr. Growth is a plant promoter. So, you know, Dr. Root is a root growth promoter. This is a, a, a canopy growth promoter. So you can spray it to, to amino acids. It's chelated calcium. The calcium is chelated to amino acids. Okay. And then it has aloe vera extract. So fol foliar? Foliar, yeah. Okay. Or if you want a nitrogen calcium supplement, you can drench it too. Okay. But okay. I like to keep the Dr. Root on the roots and the Dr. Growth on the foliage. Yeah. Because when the aloe and all these amino acids and calcium touch the growing tips, it fills the leaf tissue with a bunch of molecules, amino acids and calcium that are responsible for protein and cellular cell synthesis. Leaf on site osmosis right there to it, get it in So the, the kind of the way it works is because these molecules are so small mm -hmm. and all these plant extracts are so small, they fit through the leaf tissue oh. and they surround the cells with all the nutrients. Cool. And then it creates a high pressure gradient around the cells and we call it the, the, the endoplasmic fluid. Okay. Right. So the fluid around the yes. cells um, and then injects it into the cytoplasm, into the cell, That's crazy. the fluid inside the cell. And the, that goes into the cytosol. Okay. So um, cytosol is where the plant contains all its nutrients in the vacuoles. And it goes to the transpiration right? stream and all that. And then, yeah, and then it goes into the, the flow and it goes through the xylem and starts circulating when the plant needs it. So essentially what we're doing is we're filling the leaf tissue with a bunch of nutrients that are specifically tuned to create proteins and specifically tuned to create new cells. So when the plant's constantly growing from the Mary stems, 
it has all of this nutrients that are available being injected into this into the cells Where they themselves. Need to be. Exactly. So the cells can replicate and the cell can divide and the cell can grow and create strong cell wall synthesis. And probably your cell wall rigidity is insane. Oh, yeah. The cal calcium is the king of cell wall rigidity. Silicon's good. Calcium's better. Calcium is the main, the number one need that a plant has because every new cell requires calcium. So that's why every product in our arsenal has calcium. Every Ooh. single one. And where do you, if you don't mind me asking, where do you guys get your calcium from? Or do you, is it something? So we work at a factory out of Spain that uh, uses a micronized calcium carbonate. I mean, we're talking less than one micron. So it's, it's it, the calcium we use is uh, tinier than the diameter of your hair. Guys, hair follicle. he showed me their warehouse and some of the powders and they are beyond fine man they are like seriously like you sneeze i feel like it'd be in the air and oh like, yeah uh -oh. we are that's why i say we're a powder factory because it's one thing when powder goes up and comes down it's another thing when it goes up and it just stays there and floats you know, like, <laughs> what do i do other than get a fan out and just like spread it around starts vacuuming so, the air <laughs> we, we use a lot of micronized in part part of what the technology is that we have in our products is it's micro it's micronization and that makes the molecules function differently inside the plant. Okay. So that's what we call the flagship. Then we made mercenary, which is a light oil insecticide. So it's sesame oil, rosemary, cinnamon, uh, clove, peppermint, um, and it, it and I emulsify that and add like a uh, soap bark wetting agent. Okay. So it's like an all-in-one wetting agent emulsification, light oil insecticide. And I wanted to make that insecticide so you could spray it every single day and not burn your plant because the life cycle of the insect goes anywhere. They'll reproduce anywhere from twenty-four hours to seventy-two hours. So you got to get in there and the way you kill pests is you got to break up that life cycle. So they can't just by day three, they're already putting new spawn down Yeah. and you don't want to have to kill a new spawn. You want to yeah. kill them and break up the life cycle. So you don't have new spawn. If there is new spawn, you're already attacking it. Uh, so that's why a lot of these heavy oil products don't work very well is because you spray them and you can't spray them again for five to seven days. Yep. So then everything you didn't hit is going to reproduce. That's why mercenary, I wanted to do a light oil insecticide so you can hit it every single day and oils, don't want to mix with water anyways and then they beat up really bad on the leaf tissue. oh my god they usually and, kill my leaves you know and so that's why i emulsify it okay and then that's why i also put a wetting agent in there so it flattens the oil molecule flattens the water molecule so you can actually get into the crevice so it actually spreads out properly if you put our mercenary into a gallon of water and shake it up it stays emulsified for over an hour so yeah yeah so you don't have to jerk the bottle off as you're spraying to make sure you don't get separation you know and i love so, it because i have to do that shit with every so other one with this product because i i'm a, I'm a chemist yes. so i'm always looking for the best way to do it and the yes. best way i found it is to emulsify it in concentrate putting wetting agent in there so one when you put it into your sprayer it stays mixed okay and two when you start spraying it, it goes into the crevices and sticks to the leaf and sticks to the bug Ooh. and kills it. And the cool thing about sesame oil, not, like a lot, not a lot of people know, is when you spray chemicals on the bug, like pesticides on the bug, the bug's constantly having a mechanism inside of itself to detoxify itself. Sesame oil has sesamin and sesamolin, okay. and those are molecules that prevents the bug from detoxifying itself. So they can't even help themselves. No. Yeah. They can't even break down the oils once they get inside their air holes. That's it, they're, just, they're just done. They're done. Mercenary. <laughs> and so... That's our. That's what we call the flagship. Okay. And so lately, though, recently, in the past year, we released our brand new carbon-based fertilizer line, Ooh. and that is our 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 claim to fame right now. That's our baby. Okay. Um, and this is using the advanced technology that we haven't had before in agriculture or even in hydroponics, and applying it to to cannabis itself. 
So what it is, is most, most fertilizer products on the market, you have nitrate based. Mm -hmm. Nitrate based fertilizers are great for growing biomass. Yes. If you're trying to grow a whole bunch of leafy tissue, if you're trying to grow big stalks or trying to get yield like bushel per acre, pound per light, whatever you're trying to do, nitrates are your go-to. The issue though with nitrates is that you don't actually get to control the water load in your plant. Nitrates, for some reason, nitrogenous salts, nitrate, urea, ammonia, go into the plant, increase the water load a ton. And it's glutes out all the molecules inside the plant that are required, that, that you, that we call flavor, that we call active compounds because those active compounds are in the dissolved solids of the plant, right? Dissolved solids, the sap. So you can look at it like this. You, the plant has its sap. We have blood in our body, yes. right? The plant sap is what contains all of the, the the molecules that makes the plant healthy. Yeah. That makes the plant flavorful. That it, it, it's where all your soluble sugars are. It's where your minerals, amino acids, fats, lipids, proteins, everything that makes a plant mm-hmm. grow is in, in the sap. Yep. In our blood, humans, we have the iron that absorbs our oxygen and processes it for us, right? So when you thin your blood out as a human, yeah, pretty bad. Yeah. Not great. So when you thin the plant sap out with a higher water load, you reduce the plant's immunity system. And the plant will elongate itself and release an infrared uh, signal out to pests. And that's why pests will go for the salt-based crops before they start going to the carbon-based crops. Well, lucky there. So that's number one. Number two is so health of the plant, pest pressure, number one. Number two is when we're trying to grow crops for flavor, yeah. Tomatoes. Yes. Melons. Yes. Not watery, pulpy, hot house bullshit. Thick. I'm talking nice, about like solid. you eat a tomato and it tastes like a fruit. Yep. You know, when we're trying to get flavor out of the plant, that flavor comes from the plant sap. So okay. when we use nitrates inside the plant as our main base for the fertilizer systems, you're washing out all the molecules that are responsible to make the plant taste good. So, you- so then when the plant dries, you don't have those flavor molecules anymore. And that's why all this salt grown cannabis has a lackluster taste and all this have to, and you, you have to go over and above to make sure the plant tastes good. That's why they're spraying that shit on cannabis now. The, the terpene. Yeah. Because <laughs> it, it, it tastes, it tastes like garbage. And if you want smooth, good tasting flour, you need high sap content. Okay. And the only way to get high sap content and to have a good yield out of it is to use carbon based molecules. Use their products. <laughs> so, so carbon is really cool because we don't have to use, we can use 95% less water okay. to get our molecules into the plant. And then once at the plant, the carbon is distributing the element where it needs to go. And then once the element gets there, say calcium, mm-hmm. the carbon breaks off. And now the plant has a piece of carbon to use to make cannabinoids, uh, to make terpenes, to make secondary metabolites. Uh, because what are terpenes and cannabinoids made from? Carbon. What is cellulose in the plant made from? Carbon. Carbon. It's a carbon-based organism. Why are we feeding it so many nitrates? I don't know. It's not a nitrate-based. Nitrogen only is like 2% of the total plant composition. Carbon's 44% of the plant composition. There's a misnomer here that we're not hitting. And people really like the nitrogen. It's a a delivery mechanism, right? That's why I say nitrates and phosphates because they're they're delivery mechanisms for the plant. We can increase osmotic pressure in the plant, the pull of nutrients into the plant, by shoving a ton of water into it. And it's by doing that, it's going to take, by mass flow, it's going to take a bunch of nutrients up inside of itself. Whatever molecules but, are Exactly. But if, if we 
don't use nitrates, though, we don't get the water flow. But because we have carbon-based molecules, it, it causes the mass flow of nutrients into the plant. We can create osmotic pressure inside the plant with carbon because mm. the plant will recognize the carbon as a part of itself and just start taking in whatever it needs at any rate that it needs. So we don't have to use nitrates to get the molecule, the elements into the plant. Okay. We use carbon to get elements inside the plant. And so that's a the whole theory, the whole, con the whole concept behind it. And the cool part about it, there's a, um, a facility here in Colorado that, that they closed their doors, but called Alpenstash. Um, and they kept the room the same. They're using conventionals, you know, nitrate-based products. Um, they're using also some, some carbon-based, but, you know, there's still nitrates in there nonetheless. Yeah. They're switching over to our stuff. So what happened was they're getting about 17, 19% THC on this crop, mm -hmm. right? Um, they call lemon wings. Okay. And they could never get it over like 24. Okay. So then they started using our stuff. And what ended up happening is they increased the THC to 29% from 19 to 29. I think it was a 9.6% addition. Three to 5% is a big deal in the industry. 10% yep. is it's like, crazy. I'm We dying. increased it by 33%. That's insane. Because, and not only do we increase the amount of THC, but the spectrum of cannabinoids that were produced. How much percentage we went, is that? Well, we went from, they went from THC, THCA, and CBG to six different cannabinoids, CBCs, THCVs, CBGs. There's a whole <laughs> spectrum of cannabinoids. And when we talk about, going back to the beginning, we talk about the therapeutic benefits of cannabis. You want the spectrum of cannabinoids. Yeah, spectrum. You want the spectrum of terpenes. Yep. And that's where the therapeutic molecules are. So again, me being a chemist, I want to grow the plant to produce as many active molecules as I possibly can. And that showcases in the products and, that you're trying to create. Exactly. And, and so that's why I experience the flavor of zero nitrates. Because we can actually get your plant to taste just like it smells, which is, that's their journey, right? That's what we're all trying to do. And that's why yes. I started growing cannabis because yes. I wanted my, oh, how do I get this, the smell in my mouth? Yes. <laughs> you know? And that's my whole journey with this yes. whole thing. It's like, how do I achieve that? And by golly, this is how you achieve it with carbon. Hell that's yeah. why carbon's our delivery system instead of nitrates. And, and because all of these metabolites and secondary metabolites are carbon-based, we use low molecular weight carbon that the plant can take not only from, from not only just get more nutrition inside of itself and get it to where it needs to go, the plant can take these carbon molecules and actually convert them metabol metabolically into terpenes and cannabinoids, which is why we get the big spect wider spectrum. Holy crap. It's new technology. We couldn't, we couldn't do this 20 or 30 years ago. We couldn't make low molecular weight carbon. That and that's why phenomenal. in the 120 years we've been doing industrial agriculture, we've never been able to do what we can do now with the technology and manipulate organic molecules to actually creating a, a high antioxidant, a high active compound plant. So that's the really cool thing about this technology is that we can actually grow the active compounds inside the plant. We're not just trying to grow. So I, I give the biomass analogy for nitrates. We're not trying to just grow yield. We're not trying to just grow biomass. Like we don't need to grow plant tissue like yeah chlorophyll is an antioxidant for the plant but there's so much more plants offer yep. than just biomass and this is where we need to get to like any of the backyard gardeners you know any of the people out there growing your own cannabis your own tomatoes your own food like we want to grow active molecules inside the plant because yep. that's where the health that's where the nutrition comes from this is where i get back to working with this laboratory at south korea and what they're working with the european commission with yeah it's all about nutrition inside the plant how do we create nutrient dense produce how do we make nutrient dense crops? Because those crops require less pesticides. Yes. Those crops require less tending to 
organic matter will hold all your nutrients and the micro microorganisms, the mycorrhizae will inject phosphorus into the plant. You just provide it with the amount of food source it, it wants. It wants rock phosphate. So that's why we also use rock phosphate and not any phosphate salts oh. is because I want you to establish a good mycorrhizal and uh, uh, network on the root system. Okay. And if you use too many phosphate salts, the mycorrhizae doesn't have anything to break down. Yeah. So that's why we use rock phosphate because there's tons of rock phosphate in our earth crust, yeah. but plants don't have access to it. Yeah. So mycorrhizae has evolved for millions of years with, with, the, with plants to digest rock phosphate, to put it into a form that it can inject into the root tissue of the plant. So it can take the insoluble rocks in the earth and digest them into phosphoric acid for the plant, essentially. And so that's why like in our, in our products, we use rock phosphate. It's because I don't want any phosphate salts because I want the mycorrhizae to, to inject and deliver the phosphorus into the plant roots. And this is why I say nutrient-dense produce is so important because we can actively grow not only like not, not only make a lot of, not only increase the nu nutritional density inside the plant, but we can grow the the antioxidants. Yeah. We can grow the the tannins, the yeah. flavonoids that have anti-cancerous compounds. Yeah. We can grow all these different molecules and all these different crops like blueberries has the highest antioxidants properties. Yeah. But when you start using tons of nitrates with it, the active molecules go down because the water loads go up. Mm. Just because you increase water load doesn't mean all the yeah. active molecules Bagel, go up. Blueberries it's, and there's not a lot of antioxidants in our food anymore. Man. And it's because we're monocropping. It's because we're cropping for profit. We're cropping yeah. for yield. Yeah. And everybody should try to grow the active compounds in there because that's what makes us healthy. That's, those are the what scavenge free radicals in our body to make sure they don't turn into uh, cancer, make sure they don't turn into tumors, make sure they don't turn into some illness or disease. Yep. Disease, you know? No, that's 100% truth. And it's it really is something that, like, you can see it very clearly that when you start to grow your own food, your own produce, anything at home, or you're starting to buy the produce or buy more quality produce, you feel better. Everything feels better. And one thing about, I love just listening to what you were saying about your products and adding the rock phosphate is for burgers that are listening that like to do composting or like to reamend or reuse their soil, this is a big thing because now they're not going to get salt buildup in their right. soil. This yep. is going to be something that they can consistently use for years and years to come. If you have a strong microbial system like bacteria, fungi, you don't have salt buildup. Yeah. You're not adding salt, you don't have salt buildup because these microorganisms are constantly processing salt. They're constantly they digesting like breaking them down. They really do prefer. It's crazy yeah. looking up microbiology and microsciences now. I'm talking with you and Jack Chambers and just a couple other people, but seeing how on a on an actual test and scale of uh, if if the microbiome given you know these types of foods, which ones they would eat specific times and like break down and everything. Like they do have a they do have specific palates or, you know, they will munch on certain things at certain times and certain amounts. So it is really cool about the microbiology and the science behind um, the micro beneficials. Now, are there any more products to your line? That yeah. You're, so, uh, so that's yeah? the, so I guess that's the, that's the idea of using carbon-based nutrients, right? Yes. So our carbon-based nutrient line is comprised of two bases. They're called Grow360 and Bloom360. Okay. It's all your macro, your secondary, and your micronutrients in a vegetative form and a blooming form. And that's why, that's where your baseline is. That's the baseline food for the plants. Now, the plants are going to need different levels of calcium and magnesium throughout its life. Mm -hmm. It's going to need different amounts of phosphorus and potassium. So we have a cow mag, an organic cow mag, zero nitrate cow mag. Liquid or granular? Powder. Oh, and sweet. It's, it's micronized calcium carbonate yeah. and, and that's digested in amino acids. Okay. So it's naturally attuned to building cell walls. 
and it's micronized so small that the calcium carbonate molecule can actually go through the root pore of the, the, the pores of the roots and the carbonate, the CO3 molecule can break off into CO2 Whoa. and add CO2 to your, through the root system. And then you have excess Calvin bonding, all sorts of the plant, uh, the different plant uh, photosynthetic uh, reactions that happen with CO2 and all that. Oh yeah, stuff. it adds up to the whole process of photosynthesis. And you can actually get the plant CO2 from the root system. That's Again, so technology is really cool. We can grind calcium carbonate down to the point where the carbonate molecule, which usually just off gases the CO2 when you put it in water, yeah. can actually go into the root system That's of the plant. So cool. And so we use that calcium carbonate mixed with magnesium sulfate. Okay. And then we we blend them together, and that's our counter. That's so awesome. So it's, it's organic. It's organic uh, magnesium sulfate, and our calcium carbonate is is organically certified too. And it's buried with amino acids. Amino acids will chelate to the magnesium and give a, a medium molecular weight of carbon to the plant okay. that will that's now bonded to the magnesium. So magnesium is a super cool molecule. It it goes throughout the it can, it's very mobile. It can go anywhere throughout the plant. It stores in the vacuoles okay. of the plant. And then when the plant needs magnesium, it just takes it from the vacuoles and sends it where it needs to go. That's cool. The thing about what we talked about before called cytoplasmic streaming, uh, intercellular exchange, where the high pressure gradient goes around the cell. Mm -hmm and injects it into the cell, the amino acids will bond to the magnesium and go into the leaf tissue and surround the cell with magnesium as well. And then inject it into the cytoplasm in the cell. Okay, so you'll so, have quicker responses. Yeah. These are going uh, lighter in, yep. in color. Yep, that's why we can use less magnesium in our line compared to a lot of lines because we're pre-bonding it to carbon. You're probably not only able to use less magnesium in your line, but for the home growers use, this sounds like they're not just using less, there's less of everything, less water, less nutrients, yep. less of just it's everything. A, everything's more efficient because carbon. Man. Because carbon. And that's so we have a CalMag, and then I also have a PK product okay. called PK Blossom. PK so the calcium is called Calci-M. Calci-M. And there's a whole calcium line I'm releasing soon. Cool. Um, that's the first one, Calci-M. Cool. And then we have PK Blossom. And the PK Blossom is rock phosphate. That okay. is uh, micronized, again, down to less than one micron. Okay. And then uh, that rock phosphate paired with or potassium sulfate, some magnesium sulfate, and then um, we use uh, amino acids as, again, our, our carrier for all that. And then on top of that, I add zinc and boron. Ooh. Because if you, if you, because rock phosphate is calphos, okay. has phosphorus and calcium in it, right? Yeah. If you increase phosphorus, you have to increase boron. With, when you, because it's calphos, when you increase phosphorus, you have to increase zinc, because these elements are tied together. Okay. And and we they're not little balls that go inside the soil, and the plants take up these little balls. Yeah. They're little fields of energy, yeah. and they all they're all daisy chained to each other, mm. and they're all responsible for each other. That's why okay. if you have too much magnesium, it'll lock out your calcium. Okay. It'll antagonize each other. Too much potassium is going to antagonize your magnesium and calcium. That makes sense. They're all plus molecules. They're all positive. Zinc and boron kind of go hand in hand. Well, that, so if, when you increase calcium, what's tied to calcium is boron. Okay. Calcium gets to get, calcium is a transporter of all the other elements into the plant. Okay. And then once it's in the plant, boron translocates calcium to the cells. Oh. So if you have calcium, it, 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 we, this is a bunch of documents that we've been doing in, in ag we've been doing all these studies since the 30s 20s yeah. since 1800s you know yeah. so all this is well documented once the calcium goes in the plant if it, there's not adequate amounts of boron yeah. the calcium doesn't get to where it needs to go mm. and same with if you use tons of boron mm. you'll get a toxicity but if you increase your calcium loads with boron you'll get boron toxicity I how many anymore. people i've helped with calmag deficiencies that were just import like proper nutrient you know, <laughs> and, and so it's improper balancing. So then so the same thing applies to phosphorus. 
we can see phosphorus be all around the plant, but the plant doesn't use the phosphorus to turn it into ATP without zinc. Mm -hmm. Zinc gets toxic unless you have the proper amounts of phosphorus. So okay. all these elements are tied to each other. So that's why in our PK Blossom, I was like, okay, I'm adding phosphorus, potassium, calcium, and I'm adding amino acids and magnesium. So what do I need to do to balance that? And it's like zinc and boron, right? So um, that's that's our core base of the line. And then we have uh, a, 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 what I call flush. P-H-L-U-S-H. And this is what the Autoflower Review yes. was raving about because this is a low, it's a, it's, a car, it's, called, it's a product that has carboxylic acids. Okay. Carboxylic acids is a group of weak organic acids okay. that break down salts and also make calcium way more available. So it, this, these molecules, it's a, it, 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 you can take a salt, salt or inorganic uh -huh. elements. Yeah. Um, you can take, call uh Calcium nitrate. Okay. Right? You put calcium nitrate in there and the salts break apart. They're still inorganic. There's no carbon-based molecules attached to it. Mm -hmm. These carboxylic acids, because they're carbon-based acids, will convert the inorganic salt, the inorganic calcium, okay. potassium, and convert it to an organic molecule. Whoa. So then you don't need Whoa. the so then you don't have pH fluctuations. Whoa. So plants. So we're running a cool uh, study uh Fraser um, from uh, Microblife. Was running ebb and flow, and his pH dipped down to four zero, but his plants were still green. And it's because he was using the flush with it, and mind you, this is a screw up. But he saved himself because the flush converted all of the ionic elements into carbon-based elements, and the plant could take it up whenever it wanted. It didn't need to have pH to drive nutrition. Yo, dude, I'm so, really cool. yo, I, so, I can't tell you how many times I fucked my grow up just by out of being out of pH. Yep. And it was literally because of yep. that reason. Yep. Okay. Because ionic chemistry. Okay. Rely on the pH. Yep. When you have carbon being your driver, so when the roots release exudates, when the roots are trying to go get food, it releases carboxylic acids. Yeah. And then it bonds with the food, and then it throws up a flag, being like, "Yo, come get me! I'm a part of you." And right. I'm in this range, you're and, sitting. There. And and so when you put flush with your salts, it's doing the work that your roots would do ahead of time. So it's pre-bonding the elements to carboxylic acid. So every element you're putting into your reservoir, into your root system is going, hey, pick me up, pick me up, pick me up. You don't gotta, you don't gotta lift the gate up for pH. You that can just go into so the plant. Sick. So I can rock so, like a 6.0 pH, like almost my whole grow. Oh yeah, it'll stay there. And just, so it's a it's a pH buffer. It's not, a, it's, it is acidic. It will lower your pH. It's not a pH adjuster though. Okay. It's a pH buffer. That's it's fine. meant to break down carbonates inside your soil, inside your water. So you can rock, you don't have to do a shifting pH. You nope. can access you can, the, the calcium lock. and the, all that. It will lock it, your pH in place wherever you put it. So you don't have the pH drift. Oh, I love it. I love it's, it. I love it's, it. It's new technology, That's you know? Crazy. And how so, did you find, how did you think of this? Agronomist. I, I've worked with, I've been very fortunate to work with a lot of state-of-the-art, awesome agronomists. I'm talking yeah. about gentlemen in their 60s that have been on the forefront of calcium technology about the forefront of advancing agriculture because as much as we see a bunch of chemical uh, chemical aspects of, of our hard chemistries of our agriculture there are people in there that are trying to do agriculture better and i've been very fortunate between my mentor being a minister of agriculture in costa rica to different agronomists that have worked in uh golf courses their whole life making golf courses more sustainable or agronomists that have worked in row crops trying to make row crops more sustainable and so this gentleman found this molecule um, and branded it for for uh, agriculture. And so through him, I learned about it and wow. incorporated it into our arsenal. We don't make the product. 
Okay. It's one of the only products we actually don't make. Okay. Um, but the gentleman that I I get it from makes it, and That's he's a, one of the best agronomists ever. Wow. He's 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 okay. a really cool guy. Well, shout um, out to him. He's 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 a great person. Um, truly advancing agriculture and it's like those are the people i've surrounded myself with yeah. and that's why our technology is different because i'm not just pimping salts yeah i'm not just pimping cleanse or or, or hypochlorous acid yeah. you know we actually have advanced carbon-based technology that again could not have been done before the past 20 30 years yeah because science because science because technology and that's the thing as growers as gardeners as people concerned with what for, for growing crops and providing food and and medicinal uh uh therapeutic plants for ourselves we have to understand that there's a better way to do it. We have to understand that technology and science is always evolving, and that's what we we have to evolve our practices with it to ma- always make sure we're at the cutting edge part. Yeah, and that's why I'm really excited to bring carbon based technology into the hydroponic industry because I think in these closed indoor in the closed loop indoor systems, that's where we can grow the highest concentration of nutrient dense produce and nutrient-dense plants that are high in its active compounds, yeah. more so than outside. Outside, you have the environment going up and down. You have the wind, you have tornadoes, you have droughts, you have yes. all these, you have pests, pest pressure. You have all these different variables that impact the density of nutrition inside the plant just from environmental reasons. Yep. You know, with, with this technology and indoor gardening, we can truly grow the most nutrient-dense. We can grow more active compounds than any other way to grow plants. And so that's why this technology, I think, is really, really good for, for cannabis. Because one, we're all trying to get to tasting our flower yep. exactly like it smells. You and know, having, having flower top, top shelf medicine, you know? Absolutely. Having that full spectrum therapeutic spectrum for it. Yep. You know, we actually care. We actually are just trying to get yield. I mean, some people are. The big MSOs and big commercial facilities, like, they're just trying to get yield. Yep. They don't care if it tastes. They, they, they don't care. They, they know that tourists are, yeah, they, well, they know tourists are going to come in yep. and buy the shit anyways. Yep. And they don't have to worry about quality. Nope, they don't. And the us home home growers and us people that are actually like in a, in a smaller 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 growing sense really do care and take the time to give the best for their plants and thus give the best for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And I can tell just from the tour of your facility and you hosting me today and just the, our conversation here and just seeing all the passion and care that you take into the warehouse and where you have gone. And guys, uh guys and guys listening he ended up going through covid him and his business partners and they are a very small company they've survived the whole debacle of shipping and just all that yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we're sure here you can't get rid of us that yeah and uh even though they were he was letting me know that they were only active for about three months of the last year in the sense of like for a business standpoint of you know profitableness um they're still here and they're making these lines that are absolutely phenomenal mm-hmm. and i can tell you right now he's not lying so the autoflower review uh, definitely loves this uh, product. He's been ranting and raving about flush, the pH, pH flush. flush. Yep. Uh, since I've literally been ch- doing reviewing Ruralis, he's wanted me to chat with you, come down here and get, get a hold of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm beyond excited because one of the biggest problems with um, my whole growing uh, experience lately has been I keep breaking my dumbass pH readers because I drop them and break the probes yep. or something. Yep. So I'm rocking a pH reader now, but I know my, my tap water is 8.0. And mm-hmm. so I usually do like a rough little pH adjustment that gets it near 6.0. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm, I'm an exact grower that like to be in the ranges to have my plants uptake that calcium. So it's going to be really nice to be able to utilize the full range, not have to worry about it, have it locked in. Um, now we're, we pretty much hit, I think we're at like an hour and 40. You are the longest <laughs> podcast I've ever done. I told you so, I could so, talk so fun. It's been wonderful. 
Um, I would love for you to just let everybody know where they can find you, yeah. where they can find your product, how they can get a hold of it, all that fun stuff, and your social media handles. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, www.culturebiologics.com. Uh, you can find us all of our products there. Um, we are constantly doing different deals and promos. Um, you know, we're that is where all of our blog articles are. So there's a lot of information on our website. So first and foremost, go to our website. The other place you can find us is on our social media. We're real big into like Instagram and Twitter, uh, Facebook. We have our own Discord server. Oh, cool. So if you're on Instagram, it's at cul.tur.ed is our handle cultured just with two periods and i'll put everything up that he's saying guys and gals that'll be on the screen our youtube is where i put all of my educational content so every product video every uh how-to video we're doing how to use our product line in cocoa how to use our product line in living soils if you actually want detailed understanding of like what goes into our products and like how to use our products to their maximum efficiency it's like i think we have 15 videos that'll take you half hour to watch okay. that will give you a full breakdown of every single one of our products so that's at culture biologics on our youtube okay so uh check out our youtube and then we have a discord server and that's where i put all my literature okay. so all the all the, the the you know the information i was telling you it's been around since the 30s and 40s and 50s and even up in 2010s and 2020 all my literature goes into our discord server okay. so if you want to know the nitty-gritty about calcium and boron or how mycorrhizae breaks down rock phosphate and gives it to the plant all the literature like scholarly articles this is all this is all peer review based okay. uh, based articles and all my science is based on peer-reviewed literature this isn't bro science this isn't anything but actual chemistry and actual agronomy and plant physiology and plant nutrition and soil science that goes into it so discord is where uh we have a huge huge uh, a, a slew of information you can have access to make yourself a better grower some of it's super technical but you can also there's over 400 growers in there so you can go on there if you have any questions on how to use the product or anything you can go on discord server and talk to everybody and they'll give you their tips and tricks so some people have been using these product lines for our product line for six years now hell yeah so it's a really good and it's a good community man it's you know sometimes those discord servers can get really ego and like every shovey not yeah. that, that's not even and not even in question here okay it's cool. just everybody's just wants to grow better cannabis and there's autoflower growers there's red growers there's, there's stem growers there's breeders in there oh yeah so we're also uh culture's about to you know release our own um seed stash if Yay. you will i don't want to say lying because i'm not a breeder i'm not a yeah. pollen chucker i like putting good pollen into good plants yes you know and so we're about to come out with our own um our own inventory of that so okay. we're, try we're trying to give growers all the resources they can have to have successful crops from that. your genetics that we're like yes you can use these guys you're not going to get perms on your your packs that you're you're popping you know these are all reputable breeders these are all reputable uh science information reputable growers you can ask someone for any of the information you possibly want to know about our product line is in their discord server okay oh yeah i'll get that uh, permanent discord link uh, in the invite thing, and I'll chuck it right up on the screen, like behind us or something like that. Yeah. You also right go there. onto our Instagram or Facebook, and our Discord link is in there too on our link Perfect. tree. So Sweet. any of our link trees, you can find our Discord server as well. Awesome. Well, yeah. it has been a pleasure, Tim. I've Thank had you. an absolute blast, and this has been a really cool interview. Guys, gals, cultivators all around, smoking the devil's lettuce, getting high as a kite on that herb that you know and love. Be sure to stay lifted, smack that like button, comment down below what any questions you had for Tim or what you enjoyed most about this podcast or if you learned something, because I know I learned a whole lot from this podcast. It was really cool. Um, it's been eye-opening just listening to a chemist actually talk about cannabis the way you talk, man. It's been Thank absolutely you. crazy. <laughs> uh, so I love it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, without further ado, guys, remember to show Atlas Seeds some serious love. Show the Autofire Review some serious love because they are why I get to blab on this show, reviewing Ruderalis every single week and bringing you guys some cool stuff about Autoflowers. I know this wasn't Autoflower specific, but this was more so bringing you guys some of the craziest understanding of carbon and why carbon is so important in microbiology and a product that Honestly, the Autoflower Review team and myself definitely stands by now. I mean, I'm beyond excited. He did hook me up with a little goodie pack. I can't <laughs> lie. I was, I'm, I'm pretty hyped. Uh, I'm chasing some of those products on my own channel, guys. If you guys want to see anything, like I said, I'll be active over on the Discord. I'll definitely hop in. Yeah, Discord is definitely my new thing to jam on. So um, I'm going to be over there. I'll post some pictures. So you guys definitely go check that out. Without further ado, much love, happy growing, and peace, everyone.